Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29, we have about 14 verses of the Bible uh, all together, maybe about 20 verses that we're going to read today. Are you ready? So if you didn't read your Bible this week, we got you covered. All right? Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29, and it says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around him, and the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? The one of the crowd, then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son, who was a mute, who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Verse 22. And often he has thrown him both in the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Isn't that a great text right there? All things are possible to him who believes. And it says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Death, death and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became, and he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. When he had come into the house, his disciples asked him, privately. <laughs> I like that right there. Why could we not cast it out? And so he said to them, Why could we not cast it out? And so he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Can we, can we read this last verse together? Or this last sentence, sentence from this kind. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and and fast. We bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, once again, a great opportunity to share your word. We thank you, God, that you are sending us out. You are calling us to deeper waters. We thank you that you are with us all throughout the journey. We love you, Lord, because you first love us. I thank you that you give me the privilege of preaching to the most amazing church in Staten Island, New York. And I'm married to the hottest woman on the planet. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, Amen and Amen. Um, 
How many of you guys have a, uh, I don't know if you know what it's called, but it's called a gym membership? What? Amen. Amen. Now, uh, I, I joined, I just actually got a memo that I joined the gym a year ago. Now, again, anybody got a gym membership here? If you got a gym membership, just, just name, just yell out the name of your gym. Planet Fitness Crunch, YMCA. YMCA. Now, how many of you guys use your gym membership? Don't worry, we don't judge you up in here. We don't judge you. The judgment-free zone. This is amazing. This is amazing. Now, about a year ago, I said to myself, I said, hey, listen, Orlando, you are going to get fit. Now, again, why do people get fit? Not to be healthy because they want to look good. Fellas, can you help me out here? You know what I'm talking about? We just want to look good, right? So that's why we go to the gym, because we want to get something that's called muscles and the six-pack. Amen? Because if we could eat ice cream and donuts and cookies and got a six-pack, we'd be doing that. Amen? So that's why we go to the gym to look good, right? So so I said, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to sign up and become a member. And and that's what I did. I, I signed up. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the gym, but in the gym... You know, it, the gym could be intimidating. First of all, there's machines that you might not know how to use. All right? Like, I, 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 I kid you not. I walk around with my cell phone in the gym. And I look up how to use this machine here. Like, all right. That's, oh, it was not for your legs. It's for your arms. Okay. This is not going to look cute. Right? I'm probably the guy. Somebody's like Snapchatting like, Look at this guy. Look at the way he's using this machine, right? So it could be a little intimidating. And then you got like, you know, you got muscular dudes. Like, fellas, you walk into a gym with a lot of pride and a couple of chest hairs out. You walk out with your head down, just like, I ain't never bringing my wife to this gym. I'm just not doing it. And so I remember signing up and, and uh, you know, we got... There's three kind of people in the gym. There's counselors. Those are the ones that encourage you, right? They're the guys that say, oh, you're doing just a great job, man. That's good. You can do it. I know you're, you're fat right now, but one day you'll be skinny. We got the encouragers, right? We got the, 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 the and then we got uh, the, uh, the, the competitors. Those are the guys that, oh, yeah, you're going to do 10? Well, I'm going to do 20. And then we got the crazies. You ever seen those? Like the crazy, I promise you, there is a guy in my gym. I hope he doesn't hear this message because then he'll go after me. But there is a guy in my gym. When he walks my way, I walk the other way. I say, Lord, I'm, that's not, that, that disciple's not for me, right? Like he literally, like he has his, his I guess, blasting, he's playing like heavy rock music. And he's just, I promise you, I'm not exaggerating. This is not just for the sermon. This is how he's walking throughout the entire gym after he weightlifts. And I'm just like, hey, hey, God bless you. How are you? Uh, hey, I'm just going to go see oceans over here on this side of the gym, right? It's, it could be intimidating. And, you know, uh, so, so my routine at the gym, I would just go to the gym and I'd try to figure out the machines. And, and I, you know, did my jogging on the treadmill. And, uh, you know, I'm doing what I can. I'm doing 10 minutes here. Five minutes on the stairmaster, and I'm trying to learn how to use this, these machines. And every day I'd go and I kind of do a little routine, you know. One day I'd work out on my arms. I don't know if you can tell. 
No, I'm not trying to flex. I'm just trying to point because. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I, I do my little routine and, and it's now been about a year. And what I'm realizing, like, I'm going into the gym and I'm leaving the gym and I feel kind of normal. It's just kind of like routine. I go to the gym, I leave the gym, and I'm like, why don't I have my six-pack yet, right? <laughs> right, so, so even though my wife says I don't want a six-pack, I like the whole barrel. Leave it like that, buddy. Leave it like that. Right, so I, I hire a trainer. I said this a couple of weeks ago where I hired a trainer. Now, my trainer, watch this. My trainer says, hey, let's get started. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do because I need to look good by the summer, right? We're about to launch. Anyhow. So I'm saying, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I need to do. So he puts me to work. And I promise you, it was about 15 minutes to 20 minutes in, and I felt like I was going to die. And he goes, okay, that was the warm-up. Wait, what? I thought we were done. He's like, no, 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 that was the warm-up. That's just to get your body to sweat. I'm like, I can't breathe. I'm going to breathe in my chest. I can't breathe. Call the ambulance. Now, here's my thought because this, I promise you, like, I would, I would leave that place. I promise you. I would go in. I would wear, work out with my trainer for half an hour, and I would feel like I was dying. This is about two, maybe a month and a half ago. I would feel like I was, I was dying. I felt like every single muscle in my body was working. All right? Now, when we were done working out with this brother, I could not walk out the gym. <laughs> I promise you. I would, I would have to wait in the lobby area. And he's like, you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm warming up the car. Whew! I can't breathe. And, and what I realized was this that I was working out regularly, but I would walk out like nothing. And this was my thought, right? Like, I, I would call my wife up. I'm like, baby, I feel like I'm dying. Like, I'm only working out a half an hour. By myself, I was working out for about 50 minutes. I'm only working out a half an hour with this guy. And I feel like every muscle in my body is activated. And I would call, right? Maybe I was just like, baby, this is crazy. Like, I, I don't, like, I've never felt this before. Like, I've never done squats ever in my life. And this guy got me doing squats with stuff. And stuff is being activated that I never had activated before, right? And I'm just like, feeling life different. And, and this was my thought. Where did I go wrong? That was my thought. Like, was I doing something wrong for a whole year before I hired a trainer? And I want to talk to you on this subject today. Where did I go wrong? Could you look at the person next to you and tell them, where did I go wrong? <laughs> Married folk, don't look at your spouse. I want to talk to you on the subject, where did I go wrong? Where, where did I go wrong? Now, this is a, a, a very famous saying amongst Hispanic mothers. I don't know if you know this, right? But like growing up, my mother used to be like, what did I ever do? What did I go wrong with you guys? You guys are destroying the house. Where did I go wrong? One, one thing about a lack of results will always provoke the question, where did I go wrong? A lack of results will always provoke 
the question, where did I go wrong? Look at the person next to you, tell them where did I go wrong? Now, what we find here in this passage is a couple of, check this out, is a couple of disciples, a couple of disciples that are now working together and they're saying, hey, we are going to do what God called us to do. And so in this scene, what we have is Jesus. Let me put, paint the picture here for you. Jesus is coming from a mountaintop. It's Jesus and two disciples. Apart from Jesus and two disciples, there is a crowd of people at the bottom of the mountain that they are in. Now, there's other nine disciples, and they're stationed with the crowd. Now, Jesus comes down from the mountain, and what Jesus finds is that the very thing he called his disciples to do, they cannot do. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like the thing that God was calling you to do, you were having trouble doing it? Have you ever felt like, like God asked you to do something, and you're just having a hard time with it? And what we see is that this father comes up to Jesus, and he says, hey, um, Jesus, I uh, I brought my I brought my son. This was a this was an amazing snitch right here. He was he was uh, he was amazing. He's like, hey, Jesus, come in, come in, come in. Yep, yep. I brought him to your people. I brought him to your followers, and they couldn't fix him. Now, again, you start thinking like, man, pobrecito, the disciples they couldn't do what they were supposed to do. But you know that the disciples were doing this throughout their ministry. In Mark chapter 6, this is Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 6, what you find is Jesus gives authority to these disciples to go do what? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils, and spread the word and the good news that he gave them. He gave them that authority. He says, go ahead and do this. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go and share the gospel. And guess what the disciples do? They go, they share the gospel, they rebuke demons, they heal the sick, and now they come up to this one guy that they can't figure out. They come up to this one guy that I, I could imagine, like I don't know the, how, what that looked like, but in the scene, in the scene, in, in my crazy mind, right? This is how I see it. Like, like I see the disciples, like they're on Benny Hinn status. I don't know if you know who Benny Hinn YouTube. <laughs> like he's like Benny Hinn status. He they're they're like, oh yeah, like we've just been authorized to do this. We're going to rebuke devils and we're going to heal the sick. Come here, come here. We got you. Watch you. Oh, you sick? We got you. Boom! That's right. That's right. We're doing this good. We're going home with this. Oh, you're, come on. We're going to pray for you in the name of Jesus. Oh, you're healed. Oh, they're on a roll. They're on a roll. And now, now they come up to this one kid. All right. He's next. Come on. Come on. Bring him in. Name of Jesus. Right now. Hey! Yo, Peter. Go get me the Western oil. <laughs> and I don't know you, but believers say when they start praying for people and it don't work, they get louder. Yes. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, right now, we just believe him. Heal it! Fire! From, <laughs> for some reason, we always pull down fire. I don't know why. We just call it out fire. It's just like, fire works, right? Like, fire right now. In the name of Jesus. Right? And so I can just, I can just imagine these disciples just getting excited. And, and uh, listen, it don't work. And I can just like, my mind works like in wrestling matches. So I see them like in tag team WWE status. And I see like John like, 
Woo! Tag me in, tag me in. That's because, you, you know, you, you didn't love that person. That's why you can't rebuke this guy right now. Just tag me in. Boosh! I'm in. Name of Jesus right now, fire! Oh, it's not working. Oh, it's not working. Oh, it's not working. Oh, it's they start sweating, right? Like, right? like ninety degree weather. It's like, oh my god! All right, somebody get me the towel. Throw him the towel. Boom! Nope, he's still demon possessed. Like, this is not working. Like, what's going on? And like, all we line them up, all the disciples together, right? They all get together. Now we're gonna. This is this is what real Pentecostals do. We're gonna surround this devil right now. We're gonna start walking right now, God. Right now, like, like when you run out of options, right? You just go, hey, like you go crazy. Like we're just gonna start getting everything, oil, handkerchiefs. We're gonna get everything, like up in here. We're gonna build a, a bonfire, and we're gonna just start like worshiping and rebuke. Like I could picture them running out of options to try to try to do something that God authorized them to do in the first place. I could just see them trying to figure it out. Uh, it's kind of like the story with Abraham where God says, you're going to be a father of many nations. And he says, okay, well, I'm going to try to make it, I'm going to try to do it on my own strength. It's like I see them trying to figure it out. Okay, here we go. In the name of Jesus, it doesn't work. Now, what the Bible says is that Jesus comes down and he has a conversation with their father, with the father of the child. He says, what's going on here? What's happening? And they say, well, Jesus, I brought them to your people. They didn't really know what to do. You know, this is the thought I had for our church. I don't want to ever be the type of church that God authorizes to love other people and help people be set free. And we're so caught up in our own mess and our own stuff that we don't know how to do it. When he's already given us the authority to make it happen. So have you ever been in that place where you felt like, where did I, where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? Like I, I started coming to church and things were looking good and everything started working and, but then all of a sudden I started straying away like where, where did I go wrong? Like, I remember coming to church and I started preaching the word and I started reading the word and all of a sudden I, I, I just got disinterested or, or I started looking at other stuff and it caught my attention and I just, I don't really know where I went wrong, but I know I must have gone wrong somewhere. Right? Like, you, you can't really pinpoint the area in your life or the time and space in your life where you actually went the wrong direction. Like, have you ever been driving and realized that you were lost half an hour after you got lost in the first place? <laughs> like, you're driving the wrong way, and like half an hour into it, you're like, I think I took a wrong turn somewhere back there. Like, I know that I'm not headed in the right direction. You know, I know that if I am seeing the Staten Island Ferry, I'm not where I'm like, no, I'm not in the right place, right? And so sometimes that happens to us, and I can just imagine, our Lord, I, you know, Pastor Roy, I, I started believing for healing for, for myself. I started believing that I was going to be healed in the name of Jesus, and, and then I was just, all of a sudden, I, I came to church, I brought it to the disciples, and they couldn't figure it out. 
I just, I'm not sure where I went wrong, but I know that I've gone wrong. I don't know where I went wrong, but I, I'm sure that I'm in the wrong place. You know, and I could just imagine the, the, the mindset of this, these disciples, where authority has been given to them. And now these disciples are faced with a problem they can't resolve. Have you ever been placed, or have you ever faced a problem that you cannot resolve? Jesus' answer is interesting because when the Father tells him this, you know what Jesus doesn't say? You didn't have enough power. He didn't say that. Jesus doesn't go like this. Man, if you guys really had some power, if you guys really had some good stuff, man, you would have been able to cast out this devil. He doesn't say, hey, hey, if you had enough strength, you would have been, you would have been able to do it. If you had enough determination, you would have been able to do it. He doesn't say that. He says, he doesn't even say, hey, if you would have followed all my commandments, you would have been able to do this. He doesn't say that. But he begins to, before he addresses the disciples, he addresses the public. And he says to the crowd, he begins to say to the crowd, he says, man, this generation is, is faithless. You know, sometimes we talk about faith like it's easy. But sometimes I think it's easier for us to do physical things than it is to do the faith thing. Sometimes it's easier for you to trust in your own resources than to trust in faith. Or trust or put your faith in God. What does he say? Lord, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. Can I ask you this question? Have you ever been in the, in the place where you believe, but you need help with your unbelief? Let's be honest, church. Let's be honest. Come on, because I think sometimes, especially for believing people, like you haven't met those people that just believe. Like they're automatic believers. I'm one of those guys. Like I just believe, you know? But I know, and so I don't put that on anybody else, but I know that there's areas in my life that I lack in that are easy for you. But there's other areas where, like, you're in that place where it's not easy for you to believe. Like, somebody says, just believe. And you're like, how? Like, believe? Believe in what? Put my faith in what? Because it's easier to put your faith in the seen than in the unseen, right? Like, you trust more in the things that you can see and are visible than the things that are not really there. You're, you can trust more in the now than the things that are to come, right? It's easier believe I think sometimes like the, the way it's described here that we can be in a place where and, and many Jesus followers are found in the same place where they believe there's unbelief how is it that unbelief and belief can exist in the same place and so sometimes we, we just we just uh, uh, we, we, we just uh Rule it out. Oh, he's not a believer. He doesn't believe. What if, what if most of Jesus' followers were believers but still struggled with unbelief? And his father's saying, listen, I believe. And I think what he's trying to say is like, listen, with everything, I feel the presence of God in this place. With everything in my soul, I want to believe, but it's, it's hard. 
And Pastor, and I, and I think sometimes we come to church and we're like, I hear you, Pastor Ro, but it's easier said than done. I, I believe in my believer, but I got doubt in my unbelief. In my believer tank, I believe, but I got this other tank called unbelief, and it's pretty full. And it's like we're, we're in this place where, where we're struggling and believing. And God is saying it's not so much of what you're doing, but it's the lack of your believing that is bringing you to this place that you struggle in. Oh, my God. Now watch this. And we're done. The disciples are now puzzled with a question. They had a problem that they could not resolve. And now they have a question that they cannot answer. And so they go up to Jesus in private. And essentially, this is what they said. Jesus, where did we go wrong? Jesus is, sometimes, you know, Jesus is just like direct and to the point. He's like, they're like, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this devil from this man? Jesus comes, he immediately, I thank God that even when we're wrong, God can always make things right. I thank God that even when we fail, God can always make things right and correct. And God could always restore and God could always heal and God could always set free. But God has also given us a commission for us to do, the Bible says, greater things. He heals the child. The child immediately is set free from all demonic oppression. By the way, Jesus did not have a vigil for three hours to rebuke a demonic spirit. Rebuking demonic spirits are not about praying for the demonic spirit for three or four hours. Can I tell the truth? You got quiet on me. Don't get quiet on me. See, Jesus took three and four hours with Daddy so that he can take minutes in ministry. Wow. That's good. And most of the time, we spend more time in ministry than the I'd rather dedicate my hours with God so that when it's time to rebuke a devil, I don't spend hours rebuking a devil. Come on, if you believe that, you should give God some praise. Come out, right? And Jesus, and and and, and Jesus, they come to Jesus. Why couldn't we do it? Like, why couldn't we rebuke this demon? And he's like, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. God bless y'all. See you next week. Like, that's it. Like, give me more. I need some. I need some. Give me one, two, three, and four. I need some instructions. I was, I think, I told Andrew not to use the, the bucket of Western oil, and I told him to use a handkerchief. No, he doesn't say none of that. He says, this kind only comes through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. That's it, Jesus. That's it. Now, I wanted to talk to you really quick about prayer and fasting. Because many times when we think about prayer and fasting, particularly Christ Uncensored right now is embarking on a 21-day fast before we launch to Portable Church. And so you might be thinking, like, what is a fast? 
Well, the fast is doing a physical action for a spiritual result. I think that many times we under, listen to me church, we under-spiritualize humanity. What does that mean? Many times we think that we can take a physical route and a spiritual route. But God did not create us so that we can choose one or the other. God created us so that we can live in harmony harmony, and be completely human with both physical and spiritual. And this is what Jesus came to model for us. This is what Jesus came to model for us. What do you mean, Pastor Oak? Well, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Jesus could have came as 100% God only and simply taken over the, uh, uh, the land and been the king of the uh, Jewish community. But no, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to live 33 years on this earth so that I can show you what you think is impossible is possible even as a human being. I've been asked before, Pastor Rowe, are certain things spiritual and certain things physical? And I said, everything in life, listen to me, you're never going to forget these words. Everything in life is both spiritual and physical. Everything in your life, in your existence, is both, this is why we cannot eat and have a spiritual consequence. Because everything is hardwired and connected together. All things are spiritual and what? Physical, practical. That's why Jesus says, I'm going to model how you can live in your full spirituality and in your full physical person and be at peace. Amen? Amen. So that you can live fully and enjoy the fully human experience. Look at the person next to you tell them it's okay to be human. <laughs> it's okay to be human. It's okay to be human. Now, I want to just read a couple of things to you. What is fasting? In a practical sense, fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Fasting is not a way of twisting God's arm to get what we want, but it's the desire to connect to God and be in tune with Him without distraction. Now, the Bible says that obedience is greater. Can I get more? Obedience is greater than sacrifice. The thing about fasting is that fasting is both obedience and sacrifice. You're like, Pastor Ro, what, what is fasting again? It's refraining from food. Refraining from what? Listen, it's harder for me than it is for you, trust me. Trust me. Food, do you know how much we love food? God says if you refrain from it, from it if you refrain from it, and guess what? It's only 21 days. Look at the person next to you tell them, you're going to live. What does fasting do? Fasting heightens your connection and it raises the antennas of your spiritual life to receive accurate signal and connection from God. See, fasting doesn't move God, but it moves you closer to God's perspective. 
Now, God has given us five senses, or He's given us many senses, primarily five. And what is it? Say it with me. God, taste, touch, smell, hearing, and sight. Could you imagine trying to explain someone, apart from the experience, what smelling is like? Try to explain that verbally to someone apart from them experiencing it. It's virtually impossible. It's extremely difficult. It's like smell. Well, it's this. Like you breathe in, and like an odor goes in your nostrils, and you have this sensation. And when you use the word sensation, it, it, it fixes everything. Sensation? This is like, but, but if you get... Now watch this, watch this. Many of us have been givers, given spiritual senses that we are not yet using. Could you imagine life, what, what life would feel like if you couldn't taste? First of all, all of us would be scared. <laughs> What would life be? Could you? How much would you be missing out? How much would you be missing out in life if you couldn't taste? How much of life will you be missing out if you couldn't see? How much of life could you be missing out if you couldn't hear? Now, could you imagine how much we're missing out if we're not using or functioning in the spiritual senses that God has given us? How much are we missing out, church? Sometimes we're like, God, speak to me. And He is. But our spiritual hearing has not been activated. God, I just want to see you in my life. And God is showing up. But our spiritual vision has not been heightened. And it's been dormant. What fasting does, it begins to readjust the connection you have with God on the inside. What fasting does, it says, God, I'm going to take my... Look, two things. Fasting heightens. Everybody say heightens. heightens. Your connection and the reception you have from God. You know what that means? That when God starts speaking, you can listen to it. <laughs> have you ever tried to use Wi-Fi and you only had one bar? get frustrated. What do you say about the Wi-Fi? This Wi-Fi is no good. This Wi-Fi stinks. And many of us have Wi-Fi, but we're on the one bar. And God says, if you, if you begin to put me first by fasting and refrain from food, you will see that you will start having a better and greater connection. Could you imagine how many decisions we have made without even connecting to God? Some of us are making decisions about marriage without bringing it to God and being connected to God. Some of us are making decisions about schools without being connected to God. Some of us are making decisions about places that we're going to live and move to without connecting to God. And God is saying, hey, listen, if you want to crank up that Wi-Fi in our connection, you need to hear my voice. Fasting heightens your connection with God and it humbles you. Oh, we don't like that word. Somebody shout humble. 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 It humbles you. And it takes your desires and puts them in second place. That's why we get in trouble anyway, right? It's our desires. But the Bible says that our desires are fleeting. They're here one day and they go another. 
We're almost done. Many times, God gives us a fresh start. God gives us a fresh start. And we begin making decisions in our life and turning in directions that God never called us to turn. And then there's times that things happen to us in life. And the life that's placed in our hands stops looking like what it's intended to look like. We look at our lives and we say, God, I was just, I was just turning. I, I, I was just, I was just making adjustments in my life. I, I didn't, I thought that was the one for me. I thought that this was the right job for me. I thought this was the right move for me. I'm sorry, but where did I go wrong? Where, where did I, where did I go wrong here? Like I, I didn't mean to. And then when we start looking nothing like what God called us to look like, we try to fix it. And the more we try to fix it, it's like the worse it becomes. And now we are a picture far from anything that God called us to look like. But what fasting does, what fasting does, fasting says, I need to connect with God. And I need to hear his voice. And I need to hear what he's going to tell me. I, and fasting says, it's no longer going to be in my hands. It's no longer going to be my desire. I'm going to take God and I'm going to put him ahead of me. And I'm going to say, God, you go first. God, you go first, God. It's your desire. It's what you want for my life. I will no longer make those decisions. I will no longer be the one to, to operate outside of your will. And I take my life that looks just discombobulated and, and out of order and confused. And I say, where did I go wrong? And I say, God, do with me as you please. God, here I am. And God begins to mold you. And God begins to, to deal with you. And when God says move left, you move left. And when God says move right, you move right. And when God says go forward or stand still, you go forward and you stand still. But now you start becoming the very image of what God intended for your life. And you know what begins to happen? The things that you love before you no longer love. And the things that God hates, you also hate. And now he starts healing you. He starts calling you blessed. He starts calling you restored. And you start looking like what God intended you to look like. He starts readjusting you and making you look like everything he intended you to look like from the very beginning. And now you are back to the image and he has restored you back to what you intended to look like. If you believe that, give God some praise all over this room. Yeah. 
it brings you back to what God intended from the beginning. It says that he walked. He walked with his creation. He talked with his creation. It says this. Certain things in your life that don't come out unless it's through prayer and fasting. Fasting. There's some roads you've been running into. There's some bumps in the road that you've been running into. And you know what I'm talking about. You've been running into some bumps in the road. And you're saying, my God, like, what? Why? Where did I go wrong here? Like, I just can't. Every time I go forward, something happens. And God is saying, this doesn't come out unless it's through prayer and fasting. God says, this doesn't come out. Why? Why? Because you need to feel holy? No. It's because when you start connecting with God in prayer and in fasting, you start hearing from Him. And you start making decisions based upon what He is saying, not necessarily based upon what's in front of your face. Some of the greatest experiences I ever had in my life came through prayer and fasting. I don't want to sound spooky. I'm always trying to be careful with sounding spooky. But there's a mystery about fasting. It's almost like you know that you know. I remember walking into a deli for a sandwich. For a sandwich. A low-carb sandwich. <laughs> now, the woman that was making me the sandwich, the Lord told me to just speak to her. And I was fasting. It's just like, I know. You ask me, how did I know? I don't know. I just know that I knew. That I needed to see how she was doing. And I said, hey, is everything okay at home? Immediately she starts crying. Why would you ask me that? And right there, I spoke to her and I prayed over her. Some of the greatest work that God has done in my life has been through prayer. And so I said, this is my thought. Like, how, how much has God been trying to get a hold of us? We're just kind of like, when I'm fasting, I'm like, God, I don't want to ever leave this place. The simplest things, it's like you know that you know that you know. Yeah, I just knew that I wasn't supposed to take this job. Yeah, I just knew, you know, everything was going okay, but I just knew that that person wasn't for me. I just knew that I just, I can't explain it. I just, I was in it. Any major decision in my life, I've done any major decision. I've done in prayer and fasting. Because this is my cry. God, I don't want to make any decisions like this with God. And maybe you're in that place. You're like, God, I, I'm running. I keep running into the same wall. And God is saying, hey, I know something that can remove the distractions and allow you to increase the reception where I can communicate with you. And there could be one flow. I'm imparting in you, and you're speaking to me. And I'm speaking to you, and you're speaking to me. In John chapter 6, listen to this verse, and we're done here. John, I'm sorry, John chapter 4, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. 
I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Look what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus said, another translation puts it this way. It says, Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me. Finishing the work he started. I wonder you think that there are certain things that will keep you going. And God is saying, what I have to offer you is so potent that even when you feel hungry, you'll feel most alive. When Jesus said this, he was starving. And the disciples are like, who, who fed the master? Who fed our Jesus? And he's like, he said, you don't understand. I just came from doing the will of the Father, and that keeps me going. That's the food I need. That's the nutrition I need. And, and just the way we need nutrition in our physical body, church of God, we need more nutrition in who we really are. And that's who God intended us to be. Amen. Do you believe that? And you should give God some praise all over this room. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.